Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, uh, which is outside of Philadelphia. And if you have listened before, you know that I've talked with people from every state, from Maine to Florida, from Hawaii to Alaska, and all those states in between, from school board and borough council like myself, all the way up to U.S. Senate and everything in between for the most part. Uh, And so... You know, if you've listened to this, that I think that state legislatures are where the most important, best, and craziest things are happening in this country. North Carolina is a very good example of that. And I'm excited to talk to my new friend, Darren Staley. He's running for the legislature in North Carolina. He's got a lot of good things to say. He uh, talks like everyone else does. He explains things in ways that I think everyone can relate to. And I hope that that's going to be good for his campaign. Uh, Darren, thank you for talking today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Uh, love talking to you. You made a you had made a comment on your Twitter about professional wrestling uh, that I loved, and I, I was immediately like, okay, yeah, I, I've got to talk to this guy. I assume that you have liked wrestling longer than you've liked politics. Most most definitely, yeah. I, I grew up uh, partially here in Wilkes County, and uh, my mom lived in Charlotte, so I was in Charlotte during the the Jim Crockett days, uh, and I used to go to matches and stuff, so. So yeah, I, I'm a, uh, definitely an old school wrestling fan. Uh, politics, I didn't really care about uh, until I got laid off from the factory. Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, I, I had a vague understanding of what it was, but um, you know, once we got laid off, I started hearing words like NAFTA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew that I was getting a paycheck through something called trade adjustment assistance, and I started kind of looking around to see. Okay, so this these are there, there's a law that's been passed that's kind of made my job go away, and there's also one that's been passed that gives me a you know a sustenance here. How did all this happen? And you know who who uh, you know not necessarily who's responsible for it, but how does this all work? That that was kind of my first entree into politics, which was I want to say 2022. Mm. So one of the things that I've heard many people talk about is that um, you might not care about politics, but politics cares about you one way or another, good or bad. Is that kind of how it feels for you? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it, it was such an interesting time uh, also to, to kind of learn about politics, because if you, if you think about that era of, you know, 2022 through, uh, through 2010, you know, look at all the things that happened. Um, aside from just factory uh, factory closures, um, you know, you, this was the height of the blogosphere. This was post nine eleven. This mm-hmm. was Iraq. This was Afghanistan. Uh, this was the height of the Daily Show. So it was uh, a really interesting time. And you know, again, too, it, it was it, what you just said that politics cares about you. Uh, you know, I also was trying to go back to school at this time. Uh, I became disabled at this time. And, you know, I was trying to, you know, find a new place in life, trying to get health care. Uh, I saw a lot of my uh, my buddies who had gotten laid off, uh, overdoses, suicide, uh, family breakups. So, yeah, um, once you're once you get into the system that kind of deeply and personally, you kind of start to realize that, uh, like you just said, you know, Politics cares about you whether you care about it or not, for sure. Yeah, so 
I I've seen that so many times. My first campaign was out in Iowa, working in 2002, meeting a lot of uh, union people, and it does. It it seems like there is a lot of that same sense from then of they feel that people who are in charge weren't caring enough about them. And I don't know if that feel like sometimes it's gone up and down, but that seems to be a pervasive feeling uh, from both sides of the political spectrum, all sides of political spectrum, right? Yeah, and, you know, the, the one thing I knew, and, I, you know, I started watching uh, C-SPAN, which, mm-hmm. you know, uh, five years before, I, w- I wouldn't even have known what channel it was on. Um, and, and I kind of started seeing, you know, like you're kind of talking about, you know, who's pulling for you and who's pulling against you. Uh, you know, who's keeping you down and who's trying to build you up. And that's kind of what got me into in a Democratic politics, which was, you know, I was kind of, you know, an old school guy, uh, lived in a trailer, still live in a trailer, uh, you know, working class, blue collar guy, um, you know, the kind of people most, most people are probably think right now, oh, he's a, he's a prototypical, uh, you know, Trump voter in those days. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Um, in those days I may have been, Mm -hmm. uh, but because I do kind of, uh, the thing that he touches on are the people left behind. Mm-hmm. in factory towns. The problem is he doesn't really seem to want to do anything about it except for talk about it. And, you know, that's that's the kind of the, and I don't want to kind of nationalize this uh, podcast a lot, but I'm, I'm kind of noticing that the state legislative uh, races are, are very national now. Yeah. Um, but but I, I came to find out that, you know, everybody wants an easy answer to everything. And the reason that I kind of decided to run was, once you get into everything has an easy answer, everything has an easy solution, then it's all just slogans and talking points and I'll do this and I'll do that um, and divisiveness. And it's like, you know, no, this is this is some really nuanced stuff here. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's not slogans and uh, and jargon and, and bullshit. You know, there's there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, I think one of the pluses of the last few years are that a lot of, in terms of my politics, are that a lot of suburban voters who did vote for even John McCain and Mitt Romney, they're they're to- totally turned off by the Republican Party because of a lot of social issues, uh, abortion, etc. And that's that's good for Democrats winning in those areas, like my areas in the Philadelphia suburbs. Um, but that means that a lot of Democrats are kind of um, appealing to that audience. You, you appeal to the audience that's going to vote for you, right? And so once you start appealing to that group, which is fine, you want to get every vote you can, well, suddenly you don't seem, even if you are, you don't seem like the people who are appealing to the people that you're just talking about. Is that something that you've heard from your conversations? Yeah, I, I, I think for what was, and, and this goes back to kind of, you know, why I decided to run, there's kind of an idea of, uh, what a politician should sound like, what they should look like. Um, I get told all the time that I should wear uh, a sports jacket to mm-hmm. uh, speaking things and things like that. Um, but the, the thing for me is we, we all kind of seem to want the same, you know, kind of the same basic things. And what I kind of, I saw an opportunity to uh, to kind of offer something different. You know, just with my kind of unique experience, you know, it, it's you're, you're it's going to be rare that you find a candidate, um, you know, who 
was a high school dropout, mm-hmm. uh, was a laid off factory worker, was disabled, uh, who, you know, then wound up going to college and getting a master's degree and now is, you know, director of operations for, uh, you know, for, uh, for a thriving small business. Um, it, it kind of, the, the, the greatest benefit that I hope to offer is that I have kind of, I've, I've touched the system in so many ways or been touched by the system in so many ways um, that it's, it's a, it's an entire, it's an entirely different spectrum than most people uh, than most people have experienced. And I think that is what, uh, what gets lost mm-hmm. is everybody's kind of coming at things from their own experience. And honestly, most people's experiences are pretty, you know, that you, you know, you're born, you go to school, you go to college, uh, you go, you buy a house. Uh, and that's, that's kind of what we consider the typical experience. But I wonder sometimes how, typical really is that it kind of ignores the pitfalls uh and the people left behind along the way yeah and it's uh, for me when i hear donald trump he kind of sounds like dr nick on the simpsons like he'll just say like oh yeah it looks like you got this problem and that is like solution is just walking out of the room after that right like it's um it, it feels like it's it's nice to hear people say that like my grandmother hated going to doctors but she liked when people told her that like Eggs are good for you if that's how she felt that day. Yeah, and it's it, it, another thing too that you know that's kind of one of the big things that I talk about for obvious reasons is you know manufacturing. You know, I, in a lot of ways, I'm still that guy who got laid off back in uh, 2001, and you know how many years, especially back in those days. Mm-hmm. When, you know, you, you've heard candidates say, "We're going to bring these jobs back." You know, that's 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 easy to say, right? Um, it's not so easy to do. And, you know, what jobs are you going to bring back? And, you know, how much can you do to, to save the manufacturing this year? Um, and, you know, I want to really try to do that, but I don't just want to, you know, pay lip service to it. And I, I think, you know, people are still kind of waiting, not necessarily waiting for, but hoping for like a magic wand. Right. You know, like, you know, a, a candidate who can just say stuff and then it will happen. And that's just that's just not the reality. Yeah, you know, Congress uh, a couple of years ago passed a lot of really great legislation. I think it's good. They passed the Infrastructure Act, um, the Chips and Salsa Act, which was like or whatever they're called, Chips and Science Act. Uh, things that are designed to boost manufacturing, actually. So things that are the transportation bill, things that are designed to bring in a lot of those jobs. Uh, but a lot of those things, it takes a few weeks before. Uh, not weeks, it takes a few years before they really get implemented, right? So um, is that a product kind of, as you've been paying attention, kind of the problem with politics? Like if I pass something as a borough council member, or you pass something as a state le- legislator, if you get elected, the results of your work aren't seen like the same way as if someone comes and fixes my kitchen, I see I got a new kitchen. Yeah, no, yeah, you, you, you just really nailed it. Uh, you know, everybody and, you know, I could, you know, we could go all day about kind of attention spans and things like that and uh, social media. But, yeah, uh, you know, the way, you know, society has gotten into almost, an, you know, we have an on-demand mindset now, right? You know, if you if you want McDonald's, you go on your app and you get McDonald's in 15 minutes and there it is. Um, if you want to talk about reforming education, well, you know. 
that that's a that's a big topic with mm-hmm. a lot of levers. It's going to take a lot of time. And like you said, with things like um, uh, the Infrastructure Act, um, you know, yeah, that I do also agree that it's that it's great. It's fantastic. It, it's doing a lot, especially for rural areas like I'm in. But it's we are very much kind of in a what have you done for me now or what have you done for me lately kind of society where if we don't see it right in front of us right now, it didn't happen. Yeah. Now you're, you have a lot of economic issues that you're campaigning on. Um, but my one question I always have to ask, cause I understand where your politics came from. It makes a lot of sense. What made you decide that I have to run for office, that this is some, I need to not just go and campaign for, uh, Josh Stein running for your governor or this person running here, but I should do this and run for the state legislature. Cause that's a, that's a tall order. Yeah. Again, for me, um, just kind of going back, I thought that I had a, um, number one, that I had a story that would resonate with voters, uh, but also would, you know, give me some, uh, give me a perspective that maybe current legislators don't have. Um, I, I think as far as what drug me from that, cause you know, you can do that from home. You know, mm-hmm. I could go, you know, I could talk about all my issues on social media all day long. Um, but, but I think the, the thing that really put it over the top where I decided I'm going to run, um, was this gerrymandering mm-hmm. nonsense. The, the district that I'm in is the reddest Senate state Senate district in the seat. It was drawn that way there. I think the uh, total number of Republicans in this district, uh, it's about 52%. So that also kind of struck my sense of, and this kind of tracks back to the other things that, I, that I've been talking about, my sense of basic fairness of like, you know, look, you, you can't, you know, you can't just basically make it up. You can't say this district is going to be this because we want it to be this and completely ignore the will of the voters. Um, you know, I, I think that, that gerrymandering, um, is probably the most overlooked form of voter suppression because it's basically voter suppression after the fact even, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. And it was kind of that, I'm kind of the guy, you know, I do have kind of, I have an underdog story for sure, but I, I'm also, when I kind of saw this district and saw the numbers and all these things that we've talked about that I was thinking, and then you also look at the numbers and you hear people say, it's unwinnable. There's a big part of me that's kind of like, okay, hold my beer. Let's just let's just see how unwinnable this is. Mm-hmm. Let's just see. Let's just see if a guy who worked in a factory and dropped out of high school and was disabled and uh, let, let's just see if a guy like that uh, can 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 run and win. Let's not just write it off because my opponent went. He ran completely unopposed in the last election and was about to again. Yeah. So that was that was probably my. If you want to call it, if you want to say anything was a tipping point, it was probably that. And how important do you think it is for Democrats to compete in these kind of seats? Um, not just that they're Republican held and like they vote, like you said, you, you look at the R plus 20, which a regular person doesn't think about that, right? Um, yeah, but they look at the partisan breakdown. Um, how important do you think it is for Democrats to compete in all of those seats, not just in terms of whether they win them or not, but for the branding and the messaging of the Democratic Party? So a lot of things on this, um, 
So number one, and this goes back to the gerrymandering, uh, which I've kind of seen it's a little bit of, of kind of a scam. So if you if you leave somebody running unopposed, they're still going to raise money, right, mm-hmm. in a gerrymandered district. But they can take that money and donate it to a campaign in a swing district. So if I know I'm not going to lose, I can raise fifty thousand dollars and give twenty thousand dollars to somebody who's in a you know an R plus two. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's one aspect of it. But the other thing is, um, it, it's it's also number one. I think it shows um, as far as for the party goes. You know, it, it shows that there's engagement. But really, more than that is, and I saw uh, Jason Isbell had. Uh, sent out a, a tweet a couple of years ago about somebody had asked him, why are you uh, supporting, it was a state legislator from Tennessee. They're going to lose. Why are you saying donate money to this person? And another reason that you run is really kind of trial and error, right? It's like, how do you know if, if nobody runs in this district and you have mm-hmm. one party or one person saying the same thing, you have no idea what other message may work there right you know you're 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 basically and again just just to kind of be be frank here leaving an office you know uncontested is really kind of letting down in my opinion you know the voters of your party Mm -hmm. uh you're 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 basically giving them no voice The, the only thing they can do is say don't vote for this guy but they have no opportunity to say Vote for this guy. Vote for this idea. So, so yeah, for, for all of those reasons and so many more, I, I definitely believe. I remember, uh, well, I think it was 2024, uh, was it Howard Dean who had the uh, – 2004, state, yeah. Yeah, the 50-state strategy. And I was like, that's brilliant. Uh, you know, of course you run people everywhere. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely for that. I do – I have learned, though, <laughs> talking about trial and error uh, – why a lot of people don't. It is very, very hard work. Um, but but I definitely think that that, that people should. Uh, and, and I think that non-typical, pe- non-typical candidates should. And by that I mean somebody who didn't come up as a county commissioner, somebody who hasn't done politics, all of that. I think, you know, just your regular average Joe, um, you know, should come up and say, you know, I'm, I'm going to run. Uh, I, I think I think adding those voices in really it, it also helps to in a district like this helps to kind of throw down the stereotype, right? So a district like this that's heavily Republican, like what they hear about, they usually don't hang out with you know a lot of Democrats. There aren't a lot, so what they hear about Democrats comes from Fox News or uh, what is OAN, ONN, yeah. And when you've got a Democrat out there who, you know, has the accent that I have, uh, who, you know, a lot of Republicans know, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it kind of, it takes away the ability for Democrats to be painted in this brush of evil socialist, you know, whatever you want to say. So that's, that's another uh, big reason I think that it's important for, uh, especially for local people uh, to run in these kind of areas. Now we talk we, at the beginning. We both like professional wrestling, and there's a there's a phrase I've heard from uh, the, on podcasts or whatever called "killing the town," where 
Like, if you go to a place and you give them a bad card or you don't put the effort in, um, like WCW did in the 90s, like, uh, or they think that every time you come, you kind of don't put on a serious main event, then you might sell it out this time. But the next time, well, they're not going to show up for you. And then the next time after that, even less. That That's kind of a problem of politics and all together, right? If not, whether it's Democrat or Republican, if they think, well, the Democrats haven't tried here the last three years are three cycles. They never competed here. They're not going to trust you the fourth time. It's because, well, you weren't here. You kind of ruined the town by neglect. Yeah, uh, for, for, for sure. Um, and, you know, it, it also creates kind of a, um, I don't think stasis is the word I'm looking for, uh, but really more of an expectation of losing. You know, it's, it's, even if you, because a lot of times, you know, what will happen is, and this isn't just, you know, tied to Democrat, Republican, but in any kind of district, you know, this, this gerrymandered in this way, everybody wants somebody on the ballot, right? But if you don't have somebody on the ballot, you can put somebody, you can put a Democrat's name on the ballot. But if they do nothing, there's no energy there. So, you know, you really need somebody that's going to activate people because once you get into this, kind of cycle of we know we're going to lose this. We know this campaign we're going to lose. It's like, you know, at that point, the muscles start to atrophy, right? right? You know, from the organizational muscles to the fundraising muscles to the canvassing, it's like, you know, everybody falls into this. One of the things that I did um, a little bit after uh, after I was laid off, um, I was a, a precinct chair. Uh, at a, at a uh, one of my local precincts, and the meeting was really, uh, and I didn't do it for long, just a few months, because every meeting was the same six people, um, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of sitting around, hanging out, talking about what was on the news, like there was, there there was no life there, yeah. and it's, it wasn't their fault. They were engaged. They were trying. They were just kind of resigned to, really, here we are again. Uh, we got the you know the same old guy or nobody. Um, so yeah, and that's that's another thing too is it's kind of not letting those those muscles atrophy, and you know just you know when I was talking about trial and error, you know another thing you use is you know practice, you know build build people up, practice, run people everywhere, uh, board of elections. Uh, city council, county commissioner, and then, you know, kind of build that momentum to where you, you constantly got somebody that you are advocating for some candidate who is, who's out there, you know, trying to make a difference. Cause you know, it, it keeps the, keeps those muscles strong and it kind of keeps you engaged. So I have family in North Carolina now. They live in Durham, my brother-in-law and his wife and their kids. My mother-in-law is moving down there. Uh, and I'm excited for them. It's, it was great visiting and doing some things in North Carolina last year. Was it that one? Uh, so, and I would go back, um, for now, but the politics in North Carolina look really scary right now. You're the guy Republican running for governor. Um, his views just sound like I can't believe a human being is saying these things. The, the legislature is doing things that are very worrisome to my, you know, to my family, um, they don't intend to move. They have good jobs. They work at um, good places in, in North Carolina. 
Uh, but can you just say, like, for people listening, because it's beyond North Carolina, how important are the elections in North Carolina this year? Because it's not just any any general election, right? Yeah, um, I just got to say, and sorry for my big sigh there, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's huge. Uh, for, for people not paying attention to North Carolina, um, we've got this uh, massive uh, school voucher system going on um, where basically so much money is being funneled out of public education and into private schools. Um even uh, religious-based private schools, uh, which is unconstitutional. The, the last map, I was talking about this district, the maps are, are becoming more and more massively um, gerrymandered. Um, and to me, really kind of the, one of the bigger things too is um, a lot of the candidates here are kind of going down the same path uh, that we're kind of seeing nationally, uh, which is toward a more kind of uh, theocratic, autocratic, mm-hmm. anti-democratic path. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're just seeing um, it, it's, it, is, it is tough. And, you know, that's the, that's the way it's going to be, uh, you know, if, if, if everything is drawn away when you have one party because, you know, the uh, Republicans in the, in the state legislature, they have the supermajority. And like you just said, um, Mark Robinson, who, you know, the guy's running to go. I mean, he's his comments would you go back to the days I'm talking about in 2021, 2022. These kind of comments would have been immediately disqualified. You mean 2001, 2002? Yeah, sorry, 2001, 2002. Yeah. These kind of comments would be immediately disqualified. Right. That person couldn't get elected. Remember the phrase, he couldn't get elected dog catcher. Right. That's the way. Now, and, you know, just, just to be frank, it made it a little easier for me to enter the race because, you know, I'm, like I said, you know, I'm, I, I cuss a lot and mm-hmm. uh, kind, of, kind of an old school kind of guy. So it, it made it a little easier for me to kind of talk the way I talk. Uh, but I don't say hateful things. You know, I don't say, you know, racist and, and hateful and anti-Semitic things like this guy does. But that stuff seems to be just ignored now. Right. Um, and, and it just, it, it just lets them do whatever they want. But yeah, no, I'll, I'll say this. I am very, if you look at what's going on in North Carolina um, and really for democracy in general, I used to hear people say, you know, this is the, the most important election of our lifetime. And I think at, at at a point, we all kind of got numb to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I truly believe that 2024 is. Uh, so there, there, there's a fever that if it doesn't break, and if it doesn't break this year, um, I'm not sure the country looks the same in 2028. Uh, and, and by that, I mean the basic fundamentals that we all know. Uh, I, I, I truly believe that. I mean, I, I told somebody the other day when they were saying, you know, why do you run? I've got a pretty demanding uh, day job. Uh, you know, I'm director of operations for a company. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't do this and and spend all this time. You know, I'm not like a, just a retired guy looking for something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think that it, that there was something crucially 
important happening right now. And, and I, I hope people are, are really, really paying attention, not necessarily to my race, but in general, because we're really going down a super, super dangerous path right now, in my opinion. And things could go one way in North Carolina and a different way in the rest of the country. Like Joe Correct. Biden won in 2020, but North Carolina did not vote for Joe Biden. Uh, but, you know, I look at the kind of jobs that North Carolina has. It's got a lot of research jobs, universities. Uh, those are the kind of things that are kind of building the economy in North Carolina and keeping it going well. It's, uh, and I can see, just look at what happened in Alabama this week where they banned IVF and those kind of issues are kind of pushed away a lot of educated people and businesses to want to work there. I mean, that was an issue in North Carolina a few years ago with um, the the trans issue, right, where the governor just went too far and people were like, nope, we're not going to do business there. Um, they would even go into South Carolina because it wasn't as big of a controversy in South Carolina. Uh, do you worry about, yeah. like, if, cert if Mark Robinson or that kind of politics wins, that it won't just be bad because you disagree with the politics, but that the people who bring revenue into the state, they're not going to come in. They're going to leave. So, um, so, so yes, I, I fear in that way, but I also fear for the, for, um, you know, the people who are here, who are just going to be affected. Right. Because, you know, they're, they're, they're going to Medicaid expansion. I don't know. They'll, I don't know if they'll look to repeal it. Um, you know, you're looking at people trying to kill public education. Mm -hmm. uh, you're looking at people trying to, you know, kill health care, uh, to bed abortion. So, so yeah, I see what you're saying. And, but the other thing too, that I wanted to touch on, because you brought up kind of the research jobs, when you're looking at Raleigh, Durham, uh, you're looking at Charlotte, the areas that get really, really screwed over. And I'm trying to watch my language, uh, on your show. Here. Oh, I don't care. You can say what you want. I don't care what you say. <laughs> the, the, the people who really get screwed over are people in districts like mine. Right. There is no, there is no big city hub. You know, they're, they're, you know, no, nobody pays any, nobody's looking at bringing, uh, you know, a semiconductor plant to Wilkes County. Uh, you know, all, all this stuff is, is are going to these areas so what we're also kind of winding up with, and this also go, you know, kind of ties into what you're saying too, though, is we've got these big, thriving areas surrounded by ghost towns, and and the really the the most screwed up part of it is the ghost towns are doing the voting. Mm -hmm. You know that that most you know as far as the. You know, especially due to things like, you know, gerrymandering and suppression and the ghost towns are voting against, you know, against themselves. So it, it's, it's, it's a really, really, um, you know, tough thing to, to sit back and look at North Carolina and say, you know, why, why can't Wilkes County be Mecklenburg County? Yeah. You can look at people and whatever, but you know, and I, I think this is so much by design where it's basically like, we're going to take the, take the big cities we're going to put them in their bubbles, right? Those are the Democrat cities, and we'll let you have that. Mm -hmm. The rest, the rest of the state, we're going to come at you with these uh, social issues, all this kind of stuff. We're not going to do anything for you. Your jobs are going to leave. Uh, we're, you're not going to get your food stamps anymore. You're not going to have health care. Uh, you're not going to have access to abortion, anything like that. You're just going to be screwed. And you know that's 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 another big part of it is the the, the people the people in rural areas uh, I I think are getting 
uh, screwed the most and also happened to be, be the people who were currently uh, more apt to vote for the people who were screwing. And so that's a, that's another kind of message that I'm hoping to hoping that I can make resonate to to a lot of folks that you know that I know who may hear it a little bit differently coming from a guy like me than they would from a guy in a in a suit and tie coming in from you know Raleigh. Yeah, and you know sense. it reminds me. I talked with uh, Sarah Real, who is a on the school board, works in elections in, uh, education in Utah, so a very conservative state. Uh, Republican state, um, but the Republicans in Utah are different from the Republicans in North Carolina. Every, you know, people are different state by state, and it's not really a, not much of a comparison. But um, you know, we were talking about how when it comes to the school vouchers and the cuts to education, it's interesting that the people who seem to get hurt the most by those bills are not necessarily the the districts that are electing Democrats. It's the districts that are electing the Republicans who are voting for it, right? Like. You brought, you brought that up, and we saw what happened, especially in North Carolina, where you had a state legislator who lied to her constituents and switched her party to vote for something dangerous. Um, that it's the areas like you who are going to get hurt, when, especially when it comes to schools, um, whereas you know Durham or those other uh, parts of the state that have resources, those people... They might get by. They, they, might, they might not be as hurt by it in the same way that more rural communities are going to be hurt, where they have elected officials who vote for it. Yeah, and you know the other thing too, like we were talking about in in, in those areas, there are people uh, who are you know ready and willing to run for school board, mm-hmm. uh, for county commissioner, uh, you know, who have kind of energy and excitement and can get elected. You know, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier. Uh, you know, their, their muscles are, you know, they're, they're active, they're engaged, you know, they're not kind of atrophied in kind of the ways, you know, they're poised to win and make change. That's what they want to do, win and make change for the good. And, you know, that's another thing, you know, just kind of circling back to that is, you know, it, that, that's another aspect where even if you had kind of the, the local infrastructure that you would in a, in a Raleigh or Charlotte, if you don't have that here, mm-hmm. and basically the same people in that in the local infrastructure here are in agreement with you know the statewide stuff, you know you, it, it's going to be you know it's going to be a continuous cycle. Yeah, and one thing is, I think is kind of exciting about North Carolina, though um, I'm hopeful for it, is you have a new state chair, Anderson Clayton. I've seen her campaigning Fantastic. around the country. Actually, she was just in uh, Iowa, kind of spreading awareness about the importance of North Carolina. She has she has that energy, um, but she's a younger person, uh, so some people may discount that. Um, how do you feel about having some younger people like that leading the party? Maybe having a different perspective than they've had over the last twenty years. Yeah, so we've we, we've kind of talked uh, a little bit of uh, doom and gloom uh, mm-hmm. so far, uh, but but I will tell you on the I was just kind of talking about kind of the the basic infrastructure nuts and bolts. Yeah, uh, they're, they're they're but I am feeling uh, a change, uh, a change in energy. Uh, I'm seeing uh, a lot of Republicans fed up with this stuff. I'm seeing a lot of independents fed up with mm-hmm. this stuff, but mostly and um and i'm glad you mentioned uh anderson um the young people here college students especially and and of course they are fired up 
Dude, I've never seen anything like it. Mm -hmm. Um, they, they are, they are absolutely fired up and just to, you know, to, to tell it like it is, if North Carolina turns it around and, you know, we break the supermajority into legislature, uh, and, you know, we get Josh down if we do these things, you, it's going to be so much due to, uh, Anderson Clayton and the young Democrats, uh, because I'm telling you, they are, they are on it. Anytime you, a lot of times, you know, you, you go and you meet with people and, you know, you walk away and you're kind of like, you know, well, that wasn't super exciting. You go meet with a group of young Democrats in North Carolina. I don't care if you're in a rural area or an urban area, you're going to walk away feeling like you're walking on a cloud. I mean, they are on fire. That's great because it's really hard to keep younger people engaged right now. And maybe because of the issues dividing generations with, a, you know, an older president. I like Joe Biden, but I'm, you know, I understand I may not be the right audience. But maybe if we have some older people in office, but younger people running the politics, th that might be the way to make that transition. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I think so. Um, but again, I'm not, I'm not discounting it. I, I, I tell you, uh you know, I've I've been around a while, and you know, some of the some of these younger folks, I would I would rather vote for them than me, to be frank with you, because uh, they are they 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 are they are sharp, man, and I, they're out there. I know. I've talked with a number of people on this podcast who are in their twenties, and I'm like, wait a minute. You had to learn about 9-11 from school, like from not because they were like school closed that day, but because you learned about it in history class. What's going on here? But they have some great attitudes. They have a, a, a lot of concern about the world. I, I'm very hopeful for the next generation when I see what's going on in my community and around the country. You see some really great younger people running. Um, but we're talking about you. And one thing I always ask people in this podcast is, you know, it's called You Should Run. From just your experience so far, why would you encourage other people to run? I think we talked about that a lot, but just like one kind of, if people are listening, maybe the the, the deadline's not up yet to sign in for this year, or even they want to think about 2025, uh, what would you say is your words of encouragement uh, to get their feet out there, put their feet in the deep end and run for office? So um, I think the the very first moment, uh, this wasn't my, my first uh, speaking gig. Uh, my first speaking gig as a candidate, uh, I was super nervous. I was shaking. Mm -hmm. um, and after it, I was kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. After my second one, I'd gotten my legs, and I saw a, kind of a, a – somebody had taken a picture, and that got posted. Um. There's something about being an active part of democracy that is so thrilling and it, it changes you. It, 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 it makes you a part of something um, that you that you kind of you already kind of knew you were a part of it as, as a voter or as an active person. Um, it, it's, it's not something that I don't think can be explained until you do it. Uh, but once you do it, you'll get it. Mm -hmm. Your you, politics, when you talk about the Constitution and the law and things like that, it takes the abstraction out and you start to feel like, okay, now I'm doing something. 
now I'm a part of this process that's going to do good things for people. And that's, that's a fantastic feeling mm-hmm. uh, that, that through, I, I, I've unlike anything else I've ever experienced. So um, aside from the other things that we've talked about and the crucial importance of it, uh, it's, it's just that, I mean, once you, uh, once you, once you feel being a, being a part of, of something, uh, you know, so great and, and historic in this country, um, it, it, it makes, it makes everything, all the hard work and it is hard work. It makes it all worthwhile. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, last thing, I'm putting this up just a few days before it happens. You and I are fans, uh, especially in North Carolina, where Sting is having his last match. Um, uh-huh. uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and have this posted before that happens. Um, what What do you think about the Sting's last match? Are you excited for it? Because I'm gonna pay to watch it because I think it's gonna be fun. So um, yes, I will watch it. I think. I- I think I'm not. I think it's going to be fun. I'm definitely excited for it. I was. I came out of wrestling, kind of right at the beginning of the Sting era. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one thing that I that I love about um, AEW, and I really hope they do this, it's in Greensboro. I've seen so much wrestling at the Greensboro Coliseum. It's the perfect venue for it. I really hope. I really hope that they do something super special with it. I want to see Arn Anderson there. I want to see Ric Flair there. Mm-hmm. I want to see all those guys. I think it's going to be huge. Uh, if they haven't already sold it out, I'm sure they will. I think they did. I uh, think they said they sold it out. I, I I'd love to go and see all that. I think I I don't know if it'll main event, but I think it should main event. Yeah, no, I I, th- I think it, I think it has to. I think it's great. And yeah, no, I'm 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 super excited about. It. I was actually going to get tickets for it, but uh, dude, they were you know going through the roof yeah um but but yeah i'm, I'm gonna get the uh i'm gonna watch it and I'm, I'm super excited for that so all in all in i did get to see sting versus hulk hogan but it was in tna and it was not that great and it was here in philadelphia so <laughs> i still remember seeing that and being like wow this doesn't look good it was not as good as he's looked at recently yeah and you know i saw i was actually you know kind of going back to wrestling days i was at the uh the 85 great american bash nice. in charlotte uh, I was at uh, match seven at the Charlotte Coliseum with uh, Magnum TA and Nikita Koloff. Wow! Uh, so yeah, no, I've got a, I've got. We'll have to do a whole another episode just on wrestling stories and uh, and the matches that uh, that we've seen because I've I've been to some classics, man. So uh, I'll just say the one of the, one of the most classic matches I saw live was Mick Foley being thrown off the Hell in a Cell in Pittsburgh. So I, I'll never forget that, but. I, my first wow. res, my first wrestling match was when I was a kid. I was eleven, and it was Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan in a show in Pittsburgh. And at the time, I did not appreciate how big of a deal that was, but I still remember like that what that sounded like and everything like that. Yeah, no, it was it, it was great. It was great. Well, I'm, I, I, I'm, you're going to keep me going, and I'll talk about wrestling all day. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop, or I'll keep you here all. all I do night. need to ask one more thing though. If people are sure. listening. And they're interested in what you're doing. They want to hear more. What's the best place that they can go to find more about Darren Staley? So uh, Staley for FORNCSenate.com is the website. Uh, I think the the Twitter feed is probably the most fun, which is at Staley for the number four, uh, at Staley for NC Senate. Uh, Have a lot of fun over there. 
Uh, I, I respond to everybody. I uh, I will and, attest and, you do. You do you and, do respond. Even, even even people who were who were yelling at me and saying mean things. Um, but you know, you if you've seen it, you know I've changed some people's minds, or, mm-hmm. or at least kind of uh, taking kind of the the vitriol away. You know, because I'll I'll sit there for an hour. Uh, and and talk to somebody and say you know why do you feel this way what if, we may not end up agreeing but it kind of you know takes the the tone down yeah and and that's why and of course I play off you know music and stuff like that but um, but that's that was kind of another reason that I got into it was you know we don't really all need to to yell at each other and no. put ourselves in these little boxes that we can't get out of um, and you know like I said some some people. Uh, they're never going to change their mind on any particular issue or any party. But I, I really think, I truly believe that most people agree on most things and the disagreements are on the margins. Uh, unfortunately, the margins are so polarized now, it's swallowing up the agreement. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate the respect you bring to people. I, I'm glad you're running for office and I wish you well. And if you're listening, I hope you take Darren's advice Take his example, and maybe you should run for office, too. Darren, thank you so much, and best of luck in North Carolina. All right. Thanks so much, man.